This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Reading from Acts 4, verses 23 through 31. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, You made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. But before, I'll say it again, when I get to heaven, I expect God's voice is going to be something like that. (laughs) That is just amazing. Wow. That is great. Well, as we uh, talk about the Apostles' Creed and how we are linked historically uh, with Christians uh, around the world. And we have, we have that connection down through the centuries, the things that we believe. We are entering into a very exciting season. Wednesday uh, is the beginning of Lent. And Lent is that period of time in between that we prepare for Easter. And a part of that preparation is reflecting on uh, the life death and resurrection of Jesus, and we reflect upon our own life in Christ, what it means to to have been crucified with Him and and to have new life in Him. And so, as we prepare uh, with Christians around the world for Easter, as we enter this time of reflection and preparation in advance of Easter, we have for you this booklet. You'll find it as you leave this morning. It's called Called to Life, Called to Love. It's Lenten Reflections uh, from Henry Nouwen. Uh, he's one of my favorite authors. And uh, this is a, a gift for you and a wonderful opportunity for you as a part of God's family, as a part of our family here at Community Covenant, uh, to have a daily devotion as we prepare for Easter. So please uh, avail yourself to this and use this Uh, with your family or on your own uh, as you prepare yourself uh, for Easter. So this is available for each of us. You know, our Alaska experience just continues. 
It's an amazing thing. Uh, no, we haven't seen a moose yet. Uh, we've seen moose tracks and we've seen um, like residue that moose leave behind. So we're close on the tail, literally and figuratively, of some moose. Yeah, try the zoo. We're about ready to go. But let me tell you what we got to experience yesterday. It was amazing. We went to the ceremonial start of the Iditarod, the last great race. And I'm telling you, there is nothing like standing there on 4th Street and hearing those dogs bark and feeling the energy and the excitement uh, to see the, the mushers, their teams. I mean, it I, literally, I didn't know whether to cry or to bark. I was so excited. It was a great experience. I mean, it's, I, I just wanted to pinch myself. I said, Lori, we're really in Alaska now. And uh, I looked up at the banner there uh, at, at, on 4th Street, and it, it had the mileage over a thousand miles to Nome, Alaska, what, 10 or 11 days? Uh, through the, the America's last frontier. Man, and in some cases, woman, and dogs through the wilderness together. And I'm just thinking about that, what that means. I mean, it's, it's hard to wrap my head around that. To, to travel through the interior and, and to make your way to Nome with a, 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 a dog team. And, and how each of those animals is, is placed in the team precisely where they can be of, of most use and, 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 and where they should be and, and contribute to the team. And, and, and they're all there and they're ready and they're barking and they're jumping and they can't wait to go. But you know what? Once the start happens, they're going to experience a lot of unexpected things. That's what makes it a great race. There's going to be lots of challenges. There's going to be lots of adversity. And it's going to cause them to have to really work together to, to finish that race, let alone win the race. And, and so what an object lesson for us as followers of Jesus. That as we look at the race of faith, and we recognize, as Cole reminded us this morning, that we are a part of a team. A team. We are a, a family together on a mission that we want to declare to all people in all places the rule and reign of God through His Son, Jesus Christ. That we want to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And that we have that high calling and we are yoked together with Jesus as we enter into our world you and me to be his witnesses and we think of, of the Apostles Creed this morning great confession of faith and it reminds us of precisely what is going on in the book of Acts as uh, Peter and John come across the man at the temple The man is healed. There's a stir 
Everyone wants to know what's going on. And uh, the ruling authorities, you remember last week, the Sadducees, they're upset because uh, Peter and John are, are teaching uh, the, the resurrection of the dead and that this wonderful miracle was done through Jesus, whom they had crucified, but who has been resurrected. And of course, you might remember that the Sadducees were Sadducee because they didn't believe in the resurrection. Unlike the, the Pharisees who did. And the, and the Pharisees taught it as a, a future hope, some, some hope in the future. And here, the Sadducees, who didn't believe in it, are hearing that not only was this man healed in the name of Jesus, but, but that Jesus has been resurrected, so no longer is this a future hope. It's a present reality. It's a present reality. And uh, they are trying to hold their grip of power. And so they call Peter and John to task. And uh, they can't try them right then because it's after three in the afternoon and it's against Jewish law to do that. So they, they hold them over to the next day. It's like getting arrested on a Friday night and you have to stay in jail till Monday morning. So they're, they're holding them over. And then they gather the religious leaders, the Sanhedrin, and, and they want to know, by whose name, by what authority did you do this? And of course, you might recall from last week, we talked about in the ancient time, in the time in which this occurred, when somebody performed an act in somebody else's name, it was the, the same as if that person themselves were performing that act. And so they say, well, it's in the name of Jesus, the one you crucified, who has been raised from the dead. It's by His name that this man was healed. Now they were in a quandary because they couldn't deny what they had seen. And then they had a problem because all the people had seen it as well. And now what are they going to do? Well, they gather and they decide, all right, we're going to let them go. Because it wouldn't be to our advantage to punish them in front of all these people for something that we've seen that has happened. So we're going to let them go, but we're going to tell them, you can go, but just don't use that name again. That name, Jesus. And so here we are. Chapter 4, verse 23. There is a crisis at hand. What's the crisis? Well, the, the religious leaders have essentially just outlawed evangelism. You can no longer speak in the name of Jesus. They're risen Lord. You can no longer say that the works you do or the acts that you do are done by His name and by His power and His authority. And so they release them with that warning. And so now, there's a pending crisis. There's a, there's a challenge to the faith community. What are they going to do? And what we find here 
in verses 23 through 31 of Acts chapter 4 is their response to the challenge, to the crisis that's at hand. Now, there's three things that that happen. Maybe you've experienced them when you face a challenge in life or, or there's a crisis at hand. One is we can be discouraged. Discouragement causes us to lose heart. And certainly they had reason for that. They've just been told that what they're doing going forward is now illegal. The second thing is, is to doubt. God, are you, are you really sure? If you really wanted us to do this, why is there so much opposition? They could have very easily fallen into to doubt. And, and with doubt comes a loss of boldness, a, a timidness, a fear of man rather than of God. And so there was the opportunity for discouragement, the loss of heart. There was an opportunity for doubt, a loss of boldness. And then there's a, a, an opportunity there for, for wavering commitment. Well, if this is going to be so difficult, I'm not sure we want to continue. A loss of commitment. God, I, I, I know that, that we're supposed to do this, but wow, the opposition is fierce. And, and they are the ruling authorities. And they, they did say we're not supposed to do this. And so all three of those things could have been their response. But instead, we see a different response to the crisis to the challenge. And I would contend that it it provides for us our own means of responding to to crisis or to challenge, especially in our culture where perhaps naming the name of Jesus might be prohibited or or not popular. How do we respond to those situations? And, And what do we do when our faith is challenged, when we as a family on mission together are traveling the, 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 the wilderness of faith. And there's adversity. Or there's challenge. What do we do? How are we going to respond? Well, these passages this morning, it's rich for us. And it really lays out for us uh, an example of how God would want us to respond. The first thing we see here in verse 23 is that when they were released, Peter and John went back to what? Their own people. They were a part of community. And when they faced a challenge, when there was adversity, they didn't strike out on their own. They didn't say, okay, it's left to us to decide what to do. No, they gathered with a community of believers, as Cole reminded us this morning that we're a part of a team and God intends that we're a team and we face challenge, we face opposition, we face adversity in life and in faith together. That's a benefit of community. It's so empowering that we don't have to stand and face those things on our own. And so they go to those that they're a part of and they report all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. You know, they weren't in denial. They didn't sugarcoat it. They said, listen, this has been our experience. And and let me tell you, this is what happened. And the ruling religious leaders, they're not very happy with us. And so what do the people do? What do they do? Well, 
what we're going to find here in the, in the remaining of this passage, or what we're looking at here, is the longest prayer recorded in Acts. Did you know that? A little bit of trivia. The longest prayer recorded in Acts. And in that prayer, what we're going to find is that the power of God is revealed. The power of God in nature, the power of God in history, and the power of God in their lives. And so I've entitled the message Triple Shot Christianity because the first thing that they do is they recall and they celebrate the sovereignty of God. The power of God over nature. The power of God over the things He created. The power of God in history. The power of God in their lives. And the emphasis here is they pray and they use Psalm 2, verses 1 and 2. By the way, sometimes if you're at a loss for prayer, a wonderful thing to do is pray the Scripture. And in this case... They pray, which is the first shot of the triple shot Christianity, but they also appeal to Scripture. They are saturated in Scripture. This prayer is saturated in Scripture. That the Scripture reminds them of the sovereignty of God, of the power of God, of the authority of God. The one who created earth is more powerful than those He created. In other words, they're reminded we're on a mission together. God has commissioned us. God in His power has sent us. And God is more powerful than those who would oppose us. God's plan cannot be thwarted. Do you know that? God's plan, His redemptive plan in history cannot be thwarted. Even those who work against them, He uses that opposition to accomplish His sovereign purpose and His will. And that's such good news. And so the first shot is that reflection on God's sovereignty. And in sovereignty we find trust. We can trust Him. Because He is sovereign. It's interesting. In verse 24, where they prayed together, they prayer to God, it begins, Sovereign Lord. The word they use there for Lord is different than the more common word used in the Greek for the Lord. It's a word that's only found a few times in the New Testament. But it literally is the word that we get our English word despot from. And you think of a despot. It's a leader, a person who has absolutely, absolutely total power and authority. It is a word that's used in relationship of a master to slaves. And so in God's sovereignty, they're saying, we are your slaves. We are your servants. You have absolute power and authority over nature, over history, over men, over rulers, and most of all, over us. It's fascinating. We'd use that word. And then as a talk about, or they use Psalm 2, verses 1 and 2 as a part of their prayer. It says, why do the nations rage? That, that word rage would be a word that's used of a high-spirited horse. One that is well-fed and, and very spirited. Why do the nations rage like a spirited horse? Huh. Well, they'll all fall under the discipline of the reign of God. 
And then it says that, why do the peoples plot in vain? Again, that word vain there is, is very, it, it, it's a powerful word. It refers to literally empty plans. Why do the peoples of the world plot empty plans in the face of a sovereign, all-powerful God? And so we see that they, they trust in the sovereignty and that they're harnessed to Scripture in the time of need. And just as sovereignty gives us trust, Scripture anchors us in the truth. That's where these, these creeds come from. The truth. The Christians would remember them and recite them and stand in them, especially in times when their faith is challenged. And all this, of course, takes place in a prayer. Now, it's interesting, if I were praying... I might pray something like this. Oh God, you sent me, us, on this mission together and now we faced opposition. Lord, would you remove the opposition? Would you make things more comfortable and easier for us to do what you've asked us to do? God, I don't understand this. Remove this from us. But no. That's not anywhere in this prayer. There are two things, there are two things that are present in this prayer. Two things. Number one, they pray for boldness to go out and do the thing that God has called them to do. Boldness in the face of opposition, not to remove the opposition. And you know the second thing they pray for? They pray for God's power. That God would continue to work powerfully in them and through them. That the mighty works and the signs and the wonders would continue. That would give them an opportunity to demonstrate the reality that they could then announce that Jesus Christ is the risen Lord and He is the Lord of all. The two requests that they make are for evangelistic purposes. That they could go out and continue what God had called them to do. And, and, and here's the great thing. It is they're praying. They're aware of their problems, but they're just, they're, they're glancing at their problems. You know what they're doing? They're glancing at their problems, but they're gazing at the Lord. And you know what? When we gaze at the Lord, our problems, we glance, but they get really small. Because they're fixed on God. It is a powerful, powerful, illustration of how we too can respond when we are facing challenge in adversity. Gaze at the Lord. Just glance at the problem. And so I think of those Iditarod teams. And I think of them working together towards a common goal and purpose. And I'm reminded that we too are called together in a common goal and purpose. That as we announce, declare the rule and reign of God through Jesus Christ to, to all peoples in all places, we are reminded that we are harnessed together. And that Jesus, quite literally, is continuing His message and mission through us. Because we go forward in His name. Because life is mission. And Jesus... Right? He's the sponsor. He's the one that empowers us and gives us what we need 
to complete the race of faith. And there are going to be times of adversity. There are going to be times of challenges. But you know what? We can do just what Peter and John and that faith community did. We can go and remember the sovereignty of God. We can be saturated in Scripture and we can pray. And as we do those things, I believe that God wants to give us that evangelistic zeal. God wants to to give us, as He did there, a fresh filling, an anointing to fulfill the purpose to which He's called us. You know, the word there in the end of that passage says that, 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 that they were shaken. Quite literally what that was referring to as you look in Scripture, that word shaken, when you see that, it's, it's associated with the very presence of God. That the very presence of God would remind them that He's with them. That they have the courage to go forth and live the life He's called them to. To complete the mission. You know what? As we come to communion this morning, we are reminded of the presence of God. The presence of Jesus. That He's here. And he lives with us. And He's present. And we're reminded of what Paul says in, in Romans 8. 31, if God is for us, who can be against us? Who? Who can be against us? As we come this morning to communion, we don't want there to be anything in our way, any obstacle. And and sometimes there's sin in our life, areas we're falling short or struggling, and we, you know, we want to just move beyond that. The scripture says. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins to God, He's just and faithful to forgive us our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And and really, what that's instructing us to do is if there's anything in our life, publicly, secretly, that's in the way of our relationship with the Lord, let's deal with it. This morning's a great time to do that. So why don't we share this prayer of confession as we prepare for communion. Let's say it together. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done, by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us that we may delight in your will and walk in your way in the glorious in the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. It was on the night in which he was betrayed. After he had given thanks, he, he took the bread and he broke it. And he said, This is my body, which is broken for you. As often as you eat it, do so. Remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup and he poured it out, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. As often as you drink this, drink it in remembrance of me. So that whenever we eat the bread, drink the cup. We remember 
his death and his resurrection until he comes again. And Jesus is coming again. He is. And today we're one day closer than we were yesterday. So this morning, I'm going to ask you, when you're ready to come forward, there are tables in the front and in the back. Uh, the elements are there, the bread and the, the cup. Uh, take the cup back with you and hold on to that, would you? Eat the bread as you're ready, but retain the cup, and then we'll take that together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for new life in Christ. We thank you for forgiveness of sin. Father, may we encounter you this morning at this table that you've invited us to in fresh and new ways. And would you stir in us, remind us of the joy of our salvation. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.